everybody, and welcome to the At The Dish podcast. I'm Tommy Dovee Viola, the Vice President of Communications with the Charlotte Knights. This is the first edition of the official Charlotte Knights podcast, At The Dish, and I'm so happy to talk to you each and every week about the latest and greatest Charlotte Knights news, Major League Baseball news, and we'll have uh, some of the best baseball minds in the business each and every week. And uh, the first edition, a lot of fun as I sat down with the television voice of the Chicago White Sox, uh, Jason Bonet. Eddie, who uh, talked to me a little baseball, maybe we talked a little pineapple, we had some fun, and it's a really fun interview, a lot of good stuff going on with the Charlotte Knights, so you're going to enjoy that, and don't forget, coming up on Saturday, September 12th, it's the Chicago White Sox Watch Party, presented by Truist, uh, tickets available at charlottenights.com, a lot of great stuff coming up later in the month as well, September 24th, starting at 3 o'clock, it's you versus Cancer, take BP on the field. More details at charlottenights.com. A lot of good stuff each and every week on the podcast, and I'm so excited to bring it to you today and again next week. Here it is, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, Jason Bonetti. Back with you on the At The Dish podcast. I'm so happy to be joined by the television voice of the Chicago White Sox. You know him. You love him. The man, the myth, the legend, Jason Bonetti. Jason, how are you doing? I dispute most of that intro, but I am glad to be here with you, Tommy. <laughs> uh, Jason, always great to talk to you. Um, got a lot of fun uh, with you here in the next few moments. Uh, I want to start the podcast with the first segment. It's called In the On Deck Circle. This is going to be some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I am so ready. I love game shows. Anytime I can be a part of a lightning round, I'm in. All right, here we go. Favorite um, baseball player during your childhood? Uh, Robin Ventura. First baseball game you ever attended? I know it was a White Sox game. And I remember being in the second to last row in the upper deck and being extraordinarily terrified. And I don't remember who was playing because I was terrified. <laughs> oh, that's a fun memory. Um, best Chicago themed food item. What is it? Okay. It, maybe it's not the best, but it's the most recent one I've had uh, that is Chicago-themed and, and interesting. For road games, when Stoney and I are in the booth, I know this is rapid fire and I'm failing completely, but when we have road games. We're sitting in the booth and we're watching the game off the monitor. We've been going to get food and bring it into the ballpark. So I've introduced him to the Rick Benny's breaded steak sandwich. Uh, which is a Chicago delicacy and is a beautiful thing. If you're ever in Chicago, you really should do it. That sounds delicious. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's have a couple more fun ones with the biggest jokester in the clubhouse. Biggest jokester in the clubhouse is Yolmer Sanchez. And it's not even close. I don't know who the answer would be before Yolmer got there. I think James McCann's got a little bit of that in him. Uh, but Yolmer Sanchez, I mean, it's, it's like hanging out with Carrot Top as an infielder. It's amazing. Everything's <laughs> top comedy. Yeah, we, we, we had uh, Yolmer here for uh, quite a few years in Charlotte, so we know how funny he could be, for sure. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, one about you. You were in high school. You played the tuba. What's the best thing about playing the tuba? Best thing about playing the tuba is uh, nobody knows if you messed it up because everybody <laughs> gets the downbeat from the conductor anyway. Like We're supposed to be the driving beat behind the whole thing, but if you... If you miss a couple, they're just watching the conductor anyway. Uh, that's that's the best thing about playing the tuba. 
<laughs> uh, what's your favorite non-baseball activity? Favorite non-baseball activity is the New York Times crossword puzzle. Do a lot of those? Every day. I, I don't let the glasses fool you. I am a nerd. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, two more baseball ones. Your favorite nickname in the game of baseball. Who, who has it? Wow. Oh, picking one is so hard. Give me a couple. Oh, man, I don't. It's like currently. All time. All time. I mean, like Mordecai Three Finger Brown is real <laughs> literal. Uh, I like Big Poison and Little Poison, the Wainers. <laughs> the Wainers, yes. Uh, they're just like, it's really hard to pick. So I'm going to go with those two because they were top of mind. But there are some really, truly wonderful ones that I'm not thinking of right now. Well, those are good ones. I like that you went uh, about 100 years uh, back for those. So uh, thanks All for All the good that. ones are back then. <laughs> All the good ones are old timey. I love it. Awesome. Uh, our last one, uh, you had a chance to be in the booth with him. Your favorite hawkism? Favorite hawkism is absolutely, <laughs> I just got to do it in the right tone of voice. I got to remember which direction it is. I love the, um, when, it, when, a, when an opponent, I was debating which one to do. When an, when an opponent hits the ball, because there's a Sox version and the opponent version. When an opponent hits the ball down the line, and Hawk thinks it might be fair, and he goes, get foul. It won't. And, like, the sad puppy dog, it won't, like, is just wonderful because it's usually followed by a ball ringing around in the corner and Hawk saying nothing, and you can tell that he is just utterly defeated. And I hate that for the Sox. The the Sox version is, stay fair. It won't. (laughs) And like, I just, I love the range of emotion that you go on with him because you can taste it, how sad he is. And then the, the other one, you know, like, get fair, it will. And then it goes bouncing around and there's a big old celebration in the booth. But I kind of like the version where he gets really excited for something that doesn't happen because it's this, it's this wide spectrum that you go on with him. And it's like a full day in 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. That was the on deck circle with Jason Bonetti. Now let's go at the dish. And uh, Jason, we talked a little bit about Hawk, but you grew up outside of Chicago. You were a White Sox fan. You were someone who uh, wanted to be a broadcaster. You listened to Hawk, I'm sure, as a, as a kid um, growing up and later had the opportunity to call games alongside him. Take me into the booth with you, with Hawk. Um, did you ever just stop? I know how busy you must be on a game day, preparing, uh, reading, and looking at stuff. Did you ever just stop and pinch yourself and say, here I am doing what I've always dreamt to be doing? Yeah, I, it's, um, it's wild how it hit me even in the first game that I did at our ballpark. Uh, it was a Sunday, and the Sox were kind enough to get me a suite Uh, So some family and friends came in and hung out and watched the game. And two stories. uh, Number one, Avi Garcia hit a home run that day in 2016, late in the game. And I want to say it was off of Dan Otero of Cleveland, but it was one of the Cleveland relievers. And it won the Sox the game. It was like the seventh or eighth inning. And 
when I called the home run, I felt myself welling up a little bit. And I was like, man, all that stuff about like objective journalism that I learned at Syracuse, uh, I'm going to get a C minus or worse. Uh, because, you know, I, I'd done all these games in the minors. You and I have been together in the minors for years. And, and, you know, you do all these games and you sort of get detached from it because on a daily basis, you, you're like, I'm not emotionally as an eight-year-old attached to the Salem Avalanche or the Syracuse Chiefs, even though the, the teams were really, really good to me. I didn't have that emotional attachment to the team that I did with the White Sox. And so that home run happened and I felt this extra emotional charge that I really didn't expect. And so that was, it was a really cool thing, but also, you know, bringing that along with the person I sort of became after I left home. Um, we had, (laughs) we had in college, we had this rule that like, if we had a party at our house on Livingston in Syracuse, it was only going to be a great party if there was a fresh pineapple at the party. Like, I don't know when this happened, but like we'd always, somebody would go get a pineapple and just put it on the banister when we had people over for college things, uh, you know, involving red, red solo cups. And so there'd just be a pineapple there. So I walked into the booth at like 9.30 in the morning, my first day uh, with the White Sox. And I kid you not, at my seat in the booth was a pineapple. And I was like, now who in the world did this? (laughs) And so I'm like, I got three hours before my first White Sox game and I'm just clicking through people in my brain of like, who could possibly (laughs) have, like who is here that could get into the ballpark and like have a pineapple in my seat? And so I find out later that one of my college roommates on a whim, my friend David Spiegel, had emailed Scott Reifert, who is a vice president for <laughs> communications for the White Sox, and was like, hey, I got this story for you. We had this thing about pineapples, and I want to do this for Jason. And so Scott Reifert, that morning, was at like Whole Foods buying a pineapple. <laughs> and I first, the first thing I want to do when Scott told me that like a month later was I want to call David and be like, do you understand what you just did? And then second of all, I was like, Scott, like that's the, that's the kindest, gentlest thing you could imagine. Like to have that moment, uh, for, to bring all of this sort of full circle. It was a, it was a really cool day. So like, yeah, I, 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 I get sort of chills thinking about that day again, because there were so many people that did so many nice things. And then Avi Garcia hitting that home run, it just sort of washed over me in a way that I didn't expect. That's awesome. Really, really great story. And uh, pine- who, who knew that a pineapple would mean so much? It makes your party better. I don't understand it. <laughs> but like that, some of my college friends still text me pictures of pineapples every once in a while. Like it's a running joke that will not die. <laughs> well, if I ever see a pineapple, I'm going to think of uh, you right now. So... <laughs> All right, let's fast forward now to uh, In the Booth with Steve Stone. You guys, um, when I listen to the game and when I watch the game each and every night, you guys have a tremendous chemistry. Um, Both of your personalities play out so well. Uh, You're so witty. You guys are funny. Uh, I love when you sing the Nationwide song. I I just love hearing you guys in the booth together. Um, You play off each other so well. How, How did you guys get to have such great chemistry? Tommy, this is going to sound ridiculous because it's the type of stuff that they like 
write about an almost famous or something. But <laughs> the first the first day that Steve and I had dinner, the White Sox actually as part of the interview process, I was going to do the Foster Farms Bowl in 2015 for ESPN. And that was out in Santa Clara, California. And the Sox asked me, because it was in the middle of the interview process, they asked me if I would stop in Phoenix, Scottsdale, and have dinner with Steve to meet him so he could certify that I was the right person. And so I fly for one night to Scottsdale and go to have dinner with him at Don and Charlie's. And no joke, it was about 10 minutes in, we were just riffing. Hmm. Like we were playing off each other's sense of humor. And I have not felt like that with anybody else on a major league level. Like I, you know how I work. Like I, I really want my partners to have a good time. I love working with people who make me better. And the fact that my sense of humor and a 73 year old who's done this for so long, his sense of humor uh, dovetailed so easily and so quickly, I was shocked. And we have not had teams with winning records the last four years before this season. And so it's more difficult to do that properly and enjoy the day properly. Because when you're losing, I don't think people really have the instinct to laugh, even though we want them to and we want to enjoy baseball. And, and darn if 2020 didn't teach us that, you know, watching losing baseball is better than not having baseball at all. And so we really do like to keep our spirits up as much as humanly possible. And we like to try to find things in the ballpark that are really fun to do. And like the mustard guy from a couple of years ago and, you know, the, the kid who had the ball taken from him by the woman and the crowd like three years ago who became a friend of, of the booth. So we enjoy working together so much because we just kind of get each other in the senses of humor. And honestly, you know, I, I couldn't ask for a kinder, more giving partner. It's, it's, I, I shudder. Here's the thing. I get where Steve is coming from with me and, and enjoying the vibe there uh, and him being the older one because Kevin Brown and I were, when I were doing the, when Kevin and I, when Kevin Brown and I were doing the Chiefs games, uh, Kevin's what, five, six years younger than me. And it was his first baseball job. But immediately I was like, this guy, like he needs to be my broadcast partner because his understanding of humor and like building on each other and listening and being a good partner, Kevin and I forged a friendship that I, I is lifelong and Stoney and I have done the same thing. So like, I, I appreciate the heck out of how welcoming he's been. I wish I was more welcoming to Kevin off the top of our relationship. But, you know, I, I care so much about the idea that you can create something yourself, but it won't be as good until you find the right partner. And I'm just so grateful to have Steve in my life because he really is like, He's what I expect to be humor-wise in 46 year, uh, 36 years. You know what I mean? Like, he's 73, I'm 37 now. And I, I really, like, I've, it's hard for me to fathom running into somebody a generation away who gets me so much. And I like to selfishly think I understand him as well. Yeah, and you just, um, 
Just had a birthday too, so happy belated birthday, thirty-seven-year-old Jason Benetti. <laughs> uh, what, whatever you got me probably isn't nearly as cool as like the assorted candies that Stony <laughs> got me. That was awesome. He'd grab, he'd grab. I really, and I said it in the middle of it, but I was like, "Are you Mary Poppins? Like, what is happening? <laughs> He's pulling random stuff out of this bag." He's, he, but you know, he. Uh, the thing about Steve is, and I tweeted this the other day on my birthday because he was tweeting about it and being genuinely kind and nice. Like he likes to be cranky and curmudgeonly. Like he likes to play that game and joke about ex woba and things like that. The dude has a genuinely wonderful heart. And I always tell people not to tell anyone because then he'll just stop showing it. Like he, <laughs> he doesn't like when people know it, but boy, you know, he has been so kind and giving to me with his time and his baseball energy and just his friendship. And, and, uh, you know, I hope he knows how much I cherish that. Well, that's awesome. And I think, you know, just from, from an outsider looking in and, and watching those games and hearing those games, you could, you could tell um, that you two are just, you're so good together and, and you just feed off each other. And you could tell that there's a, there's a special bond there. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, and that goes into my next one. Uh, obviously now calling games in a pandemic, um, you, you know, just, I'm, I'm sure there's been some challenging times, um, not knowing, um, certainly going into it, what it was going to be like. Um, didn't know if there was going to be a baseball season, thought maybe you'd have to be calling Rocket League games, uh, Rocket Leagues uh, and, and different things uh, with, with Lucas Giolito and MLB The Show. And um, But going into this year and knowing the challenges that you were going to face, uh, what's that been like for you? Number one, it was just great to see the Charlotte Knights in the Twitch stream. Uh, when I was doing play-by-play with Lucas. Uh, number two, funny enough, that was kind of a, and I didn't want to make it at all about me or what I had seen during the pandemic, but if I could add one or two more lines to the no-hitter call, it would be about the level of focus that Lucas, like you remember, like we're doing those Twitch streams. I'm asking Lucas questions and he does not even hear me. Like he asked me to be there and I'm asking him questions and he's so locked in on the game that he just didn't respond for like five, 10 seconds. And that's how, like, I, as background, I knew that his focus, like I couldn't even imagine where he was on the mound. Like he's doing his actual job at that point. So if people are like, Oh, I wonder if he's thinking about something else, no chance he's thinking about something else, like none at all. But the thing I'll say about doing games in a pandemic is uh, I know it's cliched to say baseball is healing. And I, I don't mean to say that, but I will say this, that for me and Steve and Joe Groob in the booth, we have three people who enjoy being around one another and make each other better. And that is what is missing in this pandemic because we just cannot all the time be around people that we love. We miss getting to go see friends and family. We miss all of that. And so to have that on a nightly basis, I think in part why people have enjoyed the telecasts, and I thank them for that and for your kind words, is that people are getting the sense that we are getting to, in some ways, by proxy, do around each other what everybody would like to do around each other. And it's get to share a baseball game together. Like, I think what Steve and I have missed and what's coming through is how much we've missed being around one another. And I think in some ways that is serving maybe as like a substitute in some small way 
or what people can't do. And I think then it's bigger than it's way bigger than that. It's the game of baseball. And it's knowing that like, I have an inside joke with my friends about Michael Kadir uh, when he was playing for the Twins. Like we saw a kid at the ballpark who looked, we thought a lot like Michael Kadir while we were sitting in the bleachers one day. And like this photo has just been like passed around of like Michael Kadir for years and years and years and years. So many people have inside jokes and memories and all of this and just having the White Sox out there brings those rushing back and provides you some sense of a touchstone of what used to be and what will be again. And that may be extra philosophical for your podcast, but I really think like that's, that's what I miss so dearly is just being able to randomly high five somebody. And so to have, you know, we're, we're complete strangers to a lot of people, but we're also in the living room a lot. And, and I just think like, what Steve and I enjoy and Joe, our stage manager, is just being around one another. And I hope that like we're showing people that you get to be around one another at some point in the future and this will happen again. Like I, I, I don't want to overblow it, but I do think there's a sense of normalcy that comes with it. And it's not just having the baseball on the field. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And being, um, it, it takes your mind off things, certainly as a fan, to, to tune on a game each night and to, to hear you and to be able to watch baseball once again. And you're in my living room every night. And uh, that's, that's been a big plus for me this year. I'm so sorry. Uh, we, should bring, we should bring food at some point. Like I, we, should, we should send you food in some way to make it a potluck for the group. No, I, dude, I, I love when you text like, you know how much minor league baseball means to me and how much it meant to my career and having it be a place where I could meet so many good friends and have so many ridiculous stories. And like, uh, it's not about the ridiculous. It's about the people you meet. And, and like the fact that you're sitting there and sharing it with us, like we, every time I saw you, we had a laugh and like yeah. there was something going on that we remember from one day or the next day or like Lehigh Valley or, you know, John Schaefer's Eurovision <laughs> game or whatever it might be, uh, which, you know, <laughs> is not something that I want to explain, but there's, there's so much that we're all intertwined by. And like, we would never have met if not for baseball. And I cherish that deeply. So like, thank you. Thank you for texting when you do. Thank you for watching. Like, thank you for being a good friend. And I hope that people of Charlotte know, how wonderful it is that you're in their lives. Well, thank you. And um, that means a lot to me hearing it from you. Uh, you're certainly someone that you're right. We go back to Lehigh Valley, 2009. First time I, I met you, I think you were interviewing Mario Andretti. You remember yes. that? <laughs> I, was, I was just talking about that. Uh, the, the day the Indy 500 was on, Stoney had it on in one of his monitors in the booth in, in the return and, and Andretti came up and I was like, Stoney, you're never going to believe this. I interviewed the oldest one of those guys <laughs> right. in Lehigh Valley. And I was like, I was so excited. I was a huge Andretti fan growing up. I have a jacket signed by Mario, Michael and Marco, all three of them. Wow. And Marco signed it when he was like 11. <laughs> like he, he was like racing uh, you know, dirt bikes or June buggies or whatever you do when you're 11. <laughs> but, but my family and I went to Elkhart Lake as a, as fans and we like hunted down the Andretti's to sign this jacket. And I still, I still have it. 
Well, I remember that day like it was yesterday, and I've admired you since then, and uh, certainly admire you now. Last thing, heading home on the podcast, last question, best piece of advice you've ever received? Wow. Uh, best piece of advice I've ever received. So this is very specific, but I was doing games at High Point down the road from you. And I was the, the radio basketball announcer right out of college, like a, two years out of college. I got the job in 2007. I graduated in 05. And I was doing games at High Point. And, you know, I, I thought that I understood play-by-play very well. And I knew what to say. And I knew how to describe. And I, like, I enjoy the English language. So, I, you know, I had an opinion of my work that I thought it was maybe better than it was. That's shocking that a 20-something would think that. And I, I was looking for advice from as many play-by-play announcers as I enjoy and I could find. And I sent an email to Chuck Cooperstein of the Dallas Mavericks with some of my tape. And Chuck wrote me back and he basically was like, hey, uh, what you're saying is great, but how you're saying it is a little bit bland. Like it's, it's boring, essentially. And he didn't mean it in a mean way. Uh, and I looked at it and I was like, ah, oh, what's he talking about? Like, and I, and then I go back to that email basically once every couple of months to remind myself of how much he did for me without even realizing it, because there's a, there's like, you have to be dynamic as an announcer. It's got to sound like you want to be there. Cause frankly you do like I was like trying to undersell it for capital J journalism purposes or like my argument was always like, oh, well. I'm just saving it for a big moment to make sure that I'm not screaming up until that big moment, right? So Chuck basically told me like, pay attention to how excited you are. Like, think about that. Think about what you're conveying to the audience. And I, I wrote Chuck a note like last year just to say, hey, I, I don't know if you remember this, but you sent me some wonderful advice. And he was like, uh, no, I don't remember that, but I'm a huge admirer of your work. And I was like, well, you did that then. (laughs) Because if not for him saying that, I I think I just never really would have understood the performance art aspect of doing games. And it's not, it's not fake emotion. Like it's just giving the real you instead of just saying, well, I'm detached from this game. Like, being passionate about it is okay. And I think that's the thing that I was neglecting because I was trying to be so objective about everything and, and just keep that out of my heart. And when you let it in, it's way more enjoyable. That's awesome. I knew you would have a great answer there and that certainly was. And, uh, I'll tell you, this was so much fun. I could talk to you for hours. Uh, I I wish we had more time. Um, You've always been a good friend of mine and and to the team and to the organization. And we appreciate everything you've done. A couple of years ago, you got up way early to get on morning TV here in Charlotte after a a late flight the night before for a White Sox Charlotte Nights exhibition. And I remember that. And I remember this and the times we spent uh, in the Mario Leagues. And I, I just, I, I appreciate you so much. Tommy, thank you. I, I sincerely mean this. Uh, what, what that organization that you work for has done to build a beautiful ballpark, like I, I am so glad I got to experience it when I was in Syracuse because I know in my heart now, I'm not just talking about the minors, capital M, like 
I know how important baseball is to Charlotte. And I'm so excited for whenever it can come back because seeing that place jam packed on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day of the week, right? People in Charlotte love baseball. And I like, I'm so glad that you all got to see these players coming up to, to Chicago because man, uh, it's, it's a pretty special thing. and I'm glad to share it with you all. Well, thank you so much. There he is, the television voice of the Chicago White Sox. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing him at the ballpark here in Charlotte, Truist Field, Saturday night for the White Sox watch party presented by Truist. It's none other than Jason Bidet. Thanks so much, Jason. Take care. Yeah, thank you. And and bring good snacks for the watch party. Like You got to have good baseball snacks. Do it. Let's go. <laughs> there he is, Jason Minetti. We'll have more next. Once again, my thanks to Jason Benetti. So excited to talk to him. Really great stuff there and uh, continuing to do great work in the television booth for the Chicago White Sox. Thank you so much, Jason. Look forward to uh, watching the White Sox games and hearing you and Steve Stone in the booth the rest of the season. We'll be back again next week on the At The Dish podcast. Of course, you can get uh, more information at charlottenights.com. You can listen wherever podcasts are available or on Spotify as well. So check back each and every week for the At The Dish podcast. I'm timing the V Viola. We'll see you again.